Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikucci, and you are listening to Jazz's Travel. everybody, Jazz's online editor Matt Mikucci here welcoming you to a new episode of Jazz's Travel. This is our weekly podcast series of globetrotting conversations with or about groundbreaking artists, highlighting the jazz and creative music scenes in different parts of the world. Norwegian guitarist Hedvig Molestad is known for her unique blend of progressive jazz rock and fronting a power trio for the best part of this decade. While this remains her primary constellation, her latest full-length Tempest Revisited finds her performing with a larger ensemble. Documenting a live performance from 2018, Tempest Revisited is both a hymn to her birthplace of Alessund in Norway and a work inspired by the physicality of weather and the natural world. The album is out now via Runa Gramophon. Fire up on Audio Teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Hedvig Molestad. Hello Hedvig, welcome to Jazz is Travel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. So what part of the world are you speaking from right now? Right now I'm in icy Norway. Oh, <laughs> icy Norway. It must be pretty cold right now, especially yeah, at this time of the year. Yeah, a little bit. It's below, it's five degrees below right. Celsius and some snow. Uh, interesting to uh, begin our conversation by speaking about the weather, because we will be kind of getting into that conversation too uh, later on in our conversation as we talk about your new record, uh, Tempest Revisited. But uh, first off, this is the first time that we we were uh, we speak, so I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Uh, first off, uh, you, you where where is it that you were? You weren't born in Oslo, right? You were born uh, elsewhere. Yes, I was born on the west coast, mm. and um, not too far north and not too far south. So, so in the middle, where it points almost the most uh, to the west. So right. it's a it's a small town, maybe forty thousand inhabitants, and pretty close to the sea and pretty close to the mountains so so i mean uh speaking of icy weather i mean this is a bit of an icebreaker question but how old were you when you <laughs> picked up the the guitar and what prompted you to pick up the guitar i think i was about 10 years old and it was oh. because it was mainly because there, there was there was a guitar in our house that was my mother's guitar okay so she used that to just play as the, there was a piano and there was a flugelhorn and there was some instruments around 
And uh, I'm not sure why. I used to play piano as well, but uh, the guitar was, I think I just liked it. Yeah. I mean, was it, uh, did your family listen to a lot of music? You had instruments lying around, so perhaps they, they were a bit of an influence in, in that sense. Absolutely. In a way, at least. My father, he used to be a musician, at least for the time before he got family and children. And then he used to, he actually recorded with Jan Garbarek once in the 70s. Oh, right. But he was very, he was very conscious about if, uh, if his children, and then especially me then, that was interested in music, was going to choose the path of being a musician. He was very, very conscious that that was going to be my choice solely and not something that he had put on me. So I, I was, maybe that kind of triggered even more interest because he never kind of pulled out records and said, come on, let's listen to this. And I, al- I always had to ask, what was this? And what is this? And if he was listening to something, I was sure. asking what it was. So it was, it was there, absolutely. But I had to kind of find my own way into it. Well, that's good. I mean, the decision was your own then, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. My, my interest got to develop the way I wanted it. They, they asked if I wanted to start in a, everyone in Norway plays in a marching band when right. they are kids, <laughs> but I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. And so they kind of let that go. And, and I was also, I really like to play guitar and piano. And the, when they asked me to take, if I wanted to take lessons when I was about 11, maybe or 12, then I was kind of skeptical because, you know, it's, it's something else when you've been kind of just enjoying it and then you're going to perform in a way or show what you know to someone else then it's it's another kind of thing Mm -hmm. but they were really careful uh, with the with what kind of a teacher they chose for me so he was very very into jazz and also a very laid-back person was there also a little bit of prog and uh even metal because i you know you can pick it up by listening to to your music obviously there is that little that influence there there were absolutely nothing no, not at all. It's Ooh. really strange because most guitarists yeah. uh, start that way by playing yeah. in a rock band and by, <laughs> hit, you know, the, the, the power chords and all the basic stuff that is kind of the Bible of how you get, how you start to play guitar or how, even how you start, to, how you get into rock music, yeah. you know, how you get into music. Is the, but I, this was, I still can't figure out how I managed to avoid that because the environment that I came from and the things that I was interested in was Actually, mainly horn players, I think. I mean, Chet Baker and uh, Coltrane and Miles Davis and all those things. So I listened to this and, and I wasn't listening to the guitar part. I was just listening to music, actually. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I heard Jimi Hendrix. I was thinking about more about the songs that he made all along the Watchtower and Little Wing. The, the melody and the singing and the, the lyrics, actually, was more kind of uh, available to me than the actual guitar playing. And so... Since I came from this jazz side of things, I wasn't a part of any band environment either. So you won't believe how long time it took before I actually had an encounter with rock. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with Prague rock. And, we distorted uh, the distorted jazz. No, the distorted oh, guitar uh, yeah. sound. <laughs> I did encounter, say, uh, grunge music in the when I was like, you know, sixteen or seventeen. And then I really, I really, really loved Pearl Jam, but I didn't go that very much far into the genre. It's, I, I, I mean. Soundgarden, that was, that was, uh, I, I couldn't get through that. And Nirvana was okay, but I, I really stick with Pearl Jam and I, yeah. and I sent letters and got into the fan club and they sent me singles. So I was kind of a one thing focus yeah. <laughs> for me at the time. <laughs> right. And I was kind of, and I was uh, actually, I was kind of 
very, very, I don't, I don't know, when you are going to school and going really into the small things, I was kind of f- offended by, <laughs> by, by bands that had uh, lightnings in their logo or even a Z, you know. <laughs> That's Led a bit Zeppelin. of a cliche, right? It's yeah. a cliche. Yeah, yeah. Led Zeppelin and ACDC, I was kind of being, they're trying to be something that they're, I, I was looking for kind of this jazz is always kind of seeking for this true voice in yourself, mm. the purity and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I kind of, that was, that was really kind of keeping me off that rock track. But then when I, when I moved from Ålesund and got to Oslo and uh, got into an environment where people were listening to regular rock music, like regular people do, then this kind of world really, really opened up for me. And when I first heard uh, Black Sabbath, I mean, I felt like I was 12. You know, when you, when you hear things for the first time when you're a kid and you kind of, this is the best thing in the world. Yeah. This is the best thing that, that has ever, ever reached my ears. I had that kind of experience in my twenties with, I mean, anything from uh, Black Sabbath and also uh, Mavishnu made a really, really big impact on me the first time I heard it. Our Mahavishnu Orchestra, yeah. Yeah. So why do you think that is, that you connected to it that way? Was just was it just where you, you felt you were at that time in your life? So wh- and when did you move to, to Oslo? When I was 20. Or I had a, I had a year at the, at the folk high school in a, in a jazz, uh, yeah. jazz school further up north. And do you think that there was something at that, around that time that made you kind of connect with that type of music more than you had perhaps up to that point. Yes, absolutely. I think it was a change of environment. Mm-hmm. I made new friends. Bigger city. Bigger city, but yeah, but absolutely most of all new friends. Okay. But maybe that comes with a bigger city, I don't know. But it yeah. was really that kind of influence that made me, that turned me on into another kind of genre mm-hmm. and kind of made me feel a lot freer, at least, uh, like instrumentally, because there are a lot of, ru- there were a lot of rules in jazz and, things are supposed to be in a certain way, even oh, though okay, there is, yeah. uh, the way I see it, I, I, there is improvisation, but there are, there are, I mean, the things that I was working on, like with mainstream jazz music and standards and its scales and systems. And, but this, with this thing, when I kind of got into this and, and actually kind of figured out that it's possible to mix those things, it's yeah. possible to mix those chords and those tricky things and those kind of mind uh, itching fun stuff with that expressional big free that is kind of calling for your emotions more than your brains and to mix that was it felt very 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 satisfying and I felt very much at home in it because I wasn't I wasn't the biggest nerd I wasn't I just liked to play jazz but I wasn't a master you know at all yeah you were more interested in in your own your own thing, let's say. Yes, maybe I was interested in playing music, and I love to play uh, with other bands and in other people's bands. And I love to dig mm. into literature. I read a lot, and I studied literature at the university. So I had a lot of different interests, and it took quite some time before I really knew that I was going to live a life as a guitarist. Really? So yeah. it wasn't something that. So by the time you moved to Oslo, where you already looking to get into or become part of the music scene there? No, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was folk, oh. I was more focused on what kind of education I was going to do. Was it going to be 
uh, on a, a literature education at the university or was it going to be musicology? Because I was, I think, I, re, I, re, I know, I really, really wanted to get into the music academy because that was a very important environment for music in general in Oslo. But I, I never felt um, confident enough, I think. I didn't know if I would fit in there. or So when I finally applied there and got in, uh, it still took, I think, two, or I know it took two years before something happened that made me realize that it was the right path for me. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, did you have any opportunities to jam? Were there any uh, good jam spots in uh, in Oslo? I started to play in bands when I moved to Oslo. Yeah. The things okay. that uh, people do when they are in their thir- uh, teen, uh, teens. That's what I started to do when I moved to Oslo. And then I started to play with rock bands and starting started to tour a little. And then I started to play with a really good friend that was a really, really good musician. And he had a lot of gigs. And through playing with him and his band, I got a lot of experience. And confidence, I guess. Probably. You, you always that with when you do things a lot. But, and I also worked with a lot of other musicians as well. I became, I was working with other musicians, but when I did, I also felt that I had a need to figure out what I was going to be musically. Hmm. Because I, I really enjoyed playing with them, but I, I had a feeling that I needed my own kind of force. It kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, perhaps, that you were uh, interested in still doing your own thing, like you weren't following trends in, 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 this, in this sense. Do you feel that you're still doing that in your music? If, that, if I'm still doing that, it's uh, because of lack of history, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm still looking very much backwards because there is so much music that I, yeah. that I, I don't know about and that I yeah. have to put into system. And also there is so much great music uh, being released now from fellow Norwegians and also in the world. So I'm just trying to catch up with what people are doing. But but for me, there is no, I have no, I'm not thinking too much before I make music. Right. It's kind of just coming ideas from, you know, general inspiration. Uh, yeah. Is there a part of you that doesn't want to, to kind of be influenced by outside sources too much? Yeah, probably. Probably isn't that kind of? Um, I would believe that is an is a, an important uh, idea of an of an art maker. Yeah. To try and just keep away from, or at least, the obvious influences.
The track you are hearing just now is from Hedvig Molestad's latest LP, Tempest Revisited, available now on Runa Gramophon. This latest solo album finds her taking cues from her past work, but remains steadfastly committed to forging a clear path of her own, bridging the riff-packed progressive jazz rock that she creates with her acclaimed trio and a more nuanced sound that is steeped in nature. Here is the second part of our conversation with Hedvig Molestad. Your work with your trio uh, was quite uh, uh, well, well known. At, uh, that, that's how I found out about you, uh, certainly. Your new album, uh, you, you play with a, with a larger ensemble. So is that part of it as well? I mean, you want to like continue to experiment with different, performing in different settings and uh, just seeing what you can do uh, by tweaking the formula a little bit for yourself? Yes, absolutely. I mean, mm. when we had... Uh, I'm still playing a lot with the trio. They are yeah, really, really my... Yeah, of course, we should say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are really my family, like, musically, and we are... Well, you had an album is... with them earlier this year, uh, too, Yes, right? in March. Ding Dong, uh, You're Dead. Ding Dong, You're Dead, yes. <laughs> so we're still touring that material, and we yeah. will also next year. So that is my that is my absolutely melting pot of... Uh, that's where I kind of come true as a guitarist and composer. I really feel that. But we have been working for such a long time. And even when I started the trio, that was also kind of emerging from the music academy environment. Yeah. So at the time I hadn't played with, I hadn't been jamming all around the city and I hadn't uh, been playing that much with other people. So playing with the trio for all those years and then there came opportunities to make music uh, in other constellations. I mean, commissioned works mm. where people, where I was asked to these kind of, we celebrate 20 years old for this uh, thing, or the festival is going to have a big piece, a new work. Would you make some? And then was it that I felt that I, I really wanted to explore more what I could do outside of the trio because uh, I, I wasn't sure if it was, <laughs> if I, if I was able to kind of uh, make it work outside of Alan and Eva and the bass player and the drum and the drummer because we've been working so closely for so many years. So it was, I wanted to kind of uh, try a new path. And actually uh, my solo record from 2020, the Echidna, yeah. that, that was made after the record that was released this November because Tempest Revisited was kind of my first shot after the trio. It was made in 2018. So what were you looking for uh, in putting together the group that you put together for Tempest Revisited? Were you uh, looking for specific sounds, tints, atmospheres? I was, first of all, I was looking for a bigger structure. I was looking for something that was kind of, yeah, more a big piece of work rather than songs put together i really was excited about thinking as a beginning and an end and a mid part you know structuring it more like a narrative that was something that i really wanted for a long time and also that is probably a cliche but i really wanted to connect it more to connect it pretty closely more closely to something real these are real moods weather it's very specific you know 
That's interesting that you're saying that because I made it a point to ask you about that. And、yeah. uh, so obviously there are clear references to the weather. In fact, I read a statement on、uh, one of the tracks, uh, uh, 418,、uh, Stairs in the Storms, in the、yeah. Storm,、uh, one of the tracks of the record. What you said is when you wrote、uh, that track, you were thinking about how the weather affects us. And I was wondering what you meant by that. I mean, that, I think that is specific for actually the whole of the. A tempest revisited, rather than that specific piece, or it's it, it's kind of related because the four eighteen part is I don't know where to start with this thing, but tempest revisited is in a way it, it is a hymn to where I grew up because this was、uh, the music was made as an、uh, anniversary kind of present for the culture house in Ålesund, and they commissioned this work and wanted to tie it to the nature or and the the climate and the weather that is. Very specific for where I come from, and it's it's nothing like there is no hurricane that kills us there. It's heavy weather, but it's not, and it's demolishing. Uh, yeah, of it's course, not houses, disaster type weather. But it's weather. not people are not dying from it.、It's、it sounds a, very, a little bit like the west of Ireland where I grew up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. I think it's not very unlikely because it's it's. Where I come from, it doesn't snow because it's so wet from the ocean. You know, I, I've been used all my life to to bicycle to school in and be completely wet all through. But I still had my guitar and my books with me on my bicycle,、yeah. three kilometers, and that was kind of that was nothing special. That was just what you did, and the, and the wind and the everything of that is very kind of familiar to me. And when I moved to Oslo, where there is, in my opinion, absolutely no weather. There is just temperature. I've been longing, really longing for that. And at this time in my life, I was kind of realizing that I was going to move back to Ålesund. I will never do that. So it was a kind of a big grief,、uh, but also a really important thing that I was learning、uh, to know in myself.、Yeah. So I think all of this,、um, all of this music is kind of a way into yeah my childhood actually, and also、um, realizing yeah. That I wasn't going back, and so it's also kind of a sorrowish、uh, thing around this. And the four eighteen that you asked specific about, the number four eighteen is the number of stairs that's ta- that's taking you from the city center up to a very beautiful viewpoint. Okay. So my idea was it's it's kind of、uh, it's kind of in the eye of the storm ish、mm. idea because that's a place where it's very very silent, but at the same time so much is going on around you know. You're just very, very close to it. <laughs> yeah. And so my idea was that this mountain in the in the middle of Ålesund it has really, really seen so many, so many storms throughout the years, but of course it's it's never been affected from it. People climb up and down and to mount. What is a storm to a mountain? I mean, it's it's nothing. So this is what you you meant when you said that the music was inspired by something very real. It, it almost sounds、yeah, like know, from what you're saying, it's、uh, you're trying to. Understand the immensity of everything, you know. From like you said, the mountain. What's a storm to a mountain? That's that's kind of a thought that you know not everyone would necessarily have. But you kind of try to understand that in a sense. Absolutely, that is yes, that is absolutely、uh, something that、I've, I'm trying to express with that title and with that music, and also the the things of shadows and light, the things that happens. With the light and the shadows,、uh, when there is a change in the weather, also that is something that I try to kind of capture in the musical language or the sonic. So it's very, it's very concrete and in, in that way more concrete than 
the titles of the trio that is much more open for the listeners kind of own reflections this is this is the most kind of solid <laughs> so did you conceive this record as as an album uh, rather than just a collection of songs i guess <laughs> absolutely it was yeah. an actually not even an album but as a live performance first oh right because the so the the start point of this was the the live performance that okay. was supposed to be the year that the that they turned 20 mm. but after that when i realized how much work i'd put into it and that this was kind of my first step uh, away from the trio that i felt that it was quite important to record it yeah i understand that because i like i'm very sensible to that i guess i i would define myself as an albums person by nature just i've always listened to albums <laughs> not just mm-hmm. uh you know i listen to individual tracks obviously but i like to just take the time to listen to one album from start to finish and i did feel like there was even an, a narrative to it uh, like a narrative structure perhaps not like a uh, a, a narrative with a beginning, a middle and an end, but it's a place, it's a journey that you go down from start to finish and you can kind of understand uh, the different bends, you can feel the different bends and turns and twists uh, that it takes you down. So that's why it's, it's, it, uh, that's why I feel also atmosphere was very important here. I'm really, ha- I'm really happy to hear you say that because uh, whenever, whenever I put down an album, it's really important that they are connected in a way but this was kind of the first album where the music was made this way when i sent this to the the record label i said that this this is the way it's made and this is also the way it has to be on the record you know it's we can't switch places on these songs they have to come the way that they are made but luckily he agreed very much yeah. well no <laughs> thankfully that. i mean you know that's that's i think what distinguishes also another thing that i think distinguishes what i like to define as creative music from perhaps more com- commercial ventures is that there is a care there's a greater care when it comes to things like this uh, which i think are incredibly important uh so but uh, okay so obviously we're 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 running out of time here because this yes. is such a fascinating conversation but but i want to go back to one point uh that that i that i that i briefly made earlier i think it's kind of important it's strange how music works because you mentioned tempest revisited was recorded in 2018 mm. so uh, when i was listening to it though i felt that it oddly reflected uh, the tumultuousness of the times that we have been living in so that becomes a case where even just the concept of the weather uh, re- comes to represent something else i think that is the most fantastic thing about music and art is that the once you once you let it go you can, I mean, you can call it whatever co- thing. You can call it piano and, and you can call it guitar or you can call it doorstep. But people, when they hear it, they will have their very, very own feelings connected to it. Mm. That is depending on where they are in their lives, you know? Yeah. And I think that is, I, that's what I cherish the most about art in general, whether it's paintings or it's music or even actually some kinds of literature as well even that is kind of another thing but that Mm. is the perception is actually quite uh, removed from the from the art artist or the art maker or the musician or the painter you can Mm. you can look at colors uh, you can have uh, have pictures in your mind that is uh, connected to real experience that you have that the painter had never had his intentions in when he was painting that paint painting and also for the music that both I and every other people make, they are of course representative for my life, the, 
the, the times in my life where when I make it. But of course, that was, that's not <laughs> what it's supposed to mean for anybody else who's listening. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a personal experience, <laughs> whether you create it or listen to it, it, it. That's what it is at the end. Yeah, yes. I could talk uh, for forever about this stuff yeah. because it just fascinates <laughs> me how we connect to art and how perhaps that has also changed in these times that we live in when we're hyper-connected, especially in our parts of the world, let's face it. But, yeah. uh, but okay, so I, I, I do have one final question because I realized yeah. that I, I, I forgot to mention this, but is it true the title of this record refers to another album uh, by another uh, musician, Anna no uh, Nordheim? Yes, that was the way into this because... Uh, as this was a commissioned work for the Cultural House in Ollerton, they were celebrating 20 years. And on the front of this house, there is kind of, um, there is an artist that had kind of, I don't know the English word for it, but it's a lit lithography. Is that what you say, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Lithography, uh, of, yeah. Of, the actually, of the actual score of oh. Tempest by Arne Nordheim, also, and the, and the, um, and the Shakespeare. Okay. So this was kind of the, the starting point as this was a commissioned work for this cultural house. So he said, could you make music that you could tie to the city, maybe to the weather, maybe even to a tempest? And then we start, then I just started to think from that point on, it has to be, this is a kind of, uh, it has to be kind of linked to something, earthened to something. Yeah. So I went, I, I, I listened to Arne Nordheim's works. And especially then Tempest. And of course, I wasn't going to make anything similar to it. But I was kind of digging into what was his main ideas here that I can connect to from my point of view. And one of the main, I mean, the, the human voice is quite important in his Tempest. And I had never been working with vocals before. Right. So yeah. that's, that's where this idea comes from, that I have to, I have, I actually have to have the human voice into this piece. Okay, at some point, right, not yeah. as a song, but it has to kind of have an important place somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, um, the, I think that is the most obvious connection. But of course, that also is very, very far away. It's, it's based on, on my individual interpretation of, of his uh, work. Yeah, uh, it's a starting if, point of sorts, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Hedvig, it's been uh, fascinating speaking with you and, and thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, there's so much that we could have talked about, but uh, <laughs> I guess hopefully uh, people will be interested to, to listening to this record uh, and, uh, and uh, see, experiencing it for themselves. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Thank you. Thank you so much.
hope you enjoyed our conversation with Hedvig Molestad. Her epic new album, Tempest Revisited, is available now on Runa Gramophon. And I hope you will join me again for another globetrotting episode of Jazz Is Travel. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out jazzis.com. That's a regularly updated website with lots of great content, including news, reviews, playlists, new music roundups, and much more. And of course, you get even more when you subscribe. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon. Thank you.